0: Lights. Camera. Philosophy. It's the 2021 Dionysus Awards. For the most philosophical movies of the past year. And the nominees are... For Best Picture, that packs all of American history into one room. You're supposed to improvise on a theme. That's what I was doing. You're supposed to play the song like I sing it the way everybody else plays. <laughs> playing a song, I was playing the way I felt it. For Best Frontier Film about Wiley Guile.
1: Why is a baker like a beggar? Why? They both need bread.
0: For the
2: trippiest exploration of identity. People like to think of themselves as points moving through time. But I think it's probably the opposite. We're stationary and time passes through us.
0: What movies of the past year challenged our assumptions and made us think about things in new ways? The 2021 Dionysus Awards. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything, except your intelligence. I'm Jeremy Sable, sitting in for Ray Briggs. And I'm Josh Landy. We're coming to you from our respective living rooms via the studios of KALW San Francisco. Continuing
2: conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus, where Josh directs the Philosophy and Literature Initiative and I teach in Stanford's Structured Liberal
0: Education program. Jeremy is also a filmmaker, so I'm especially happy to welcome him back as a co-host for our 8th annual Dionysus Awards.
2: The Dionysus Awards are presented each year to some of our
0: favorite, most thought-provoking movies of the past year. Movie theaters have been closed, and Hollywood's mostly on hiatus, but there's still been some amazing cinema. It was a great year for adaptations, a new David Copperfield, a new Emma.
2: Yes, and an equally great year for films based on American history. The Five Bloods, Judas and the Black Messiah, The Trial
0: of the Chicago 7. Not to mention movies about hope and adversity. We sent our roving philosophical reporter, Holly J. McDeed to check out two of them. She files this report.
3: There are a lot of films that criticize the American dream. There's There Will Be Blood, a 2007 film about a ruthless silver miner in oil-rich California. When do we get our money, Daniel? (laughs) I look at
2: people and I see nothing worth liking. I have a competition in me. I want no one else to succeed.
3: Or the film Goodfellas, a 1990 film about ambition and the mob. If we wanted something, we just took it. And you didn't even think about it. (laughs) it was better than Citibank. These films are dramatic, but two more recent movies about the American dream, Minari and Nomadland, center around people who seem a bit less ruthless and over the top. In Nomadland, a woman in her 60s named Fern loses her husband and her home. She moves into a van named Vanguard after the economic collapse of her mining town. My mom says that you're homeless. Is that true? No, I'm not homeless i'm just houseless not the same thing right no fern wanders the american west looking for seasonal work and finds a community of other van dwellers
1: most of us in this lifestyle use a five-gallon bucket most of us are in vans or something larger i'm in a prius so i use a two-gallon bucket if you have bad knees you could use
3: a seven-gallon bucket. In the end, Fern looks out at the mountains and wilderness before her. Minari is a film about a Korean-American family who moves to a farm in rural Arkansas. When the film begins, the Yi family arrives at a trailer in the middle of the field. The mother says, What is this place? And the father says, our new home. The kids go to inspect.
0: Wheels! Wheels?
2: There
3: are wheels. It's like a big car. They're... They're... Okay. They're surrounded by the great American landscape.
1: I immediately had this flashback.
3: Ann Chang is a professor of English at Princeton University. As a preteen in the 70s, she moved from Taipei to the rural American South. She remembers seeing land that stretched for miles.
1: It was this moment of tremendous freedom, but also of feeling tremendously lost. And it's that combination of liberty and also being, you know, out of place that
3: I thought
1: the movie captured so well.
3: The film shows a lot of struggle and, spoiler alert, it ends with a fire. Chang says it was almost a necessary outcome after so much tension, the tension of trying to make it in America. The American dream, she says, is circular. It's about constantly restarting and never arriving. And it's poignant for Asian Americans. Because
1: Asian Americans have been thought of as perpetual foreigners, and it seems like they're always arriving still, no matter how many, you know, generations uh, they have been here.
3: There are no big speeches or dramatic revelations. The ending feels quiet. After the fire, the movie closes with the father and his son at a creek picking the minari plant the grandmother had planted a year before. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Holly J. McDeed.
0: Thanks for that excellent report, Holly. I'm Josh Landy, along with my Stanford colleague, Jeremy Sable, and we're thinking about the most philosophical movies of the past year for our annual Dionysus Awards. So let's get right to the first category, Jeremy. Okay, let's
2: do it. This past year has been a trippy one, to (laughs) say the least. And we've we've got two nominees for the trippiest exploration of that eternal philosophical puzzle, Identity. I'm Thinking of Ending Things, directed by
0: Charlie Kaufman and Soul, the animated film from Pixar. To help us pick a winner, we're joined by Stacy Friend. She's a professor of philosophy at the University of London in the UK, my old country, and the author of Fiction and Emotion in the Routledge Handbook of Philosophy of Imagination. Stacy, welcome to Philosophy Talk.
1: Thanks, it's great to be here.
2: So Stacy, for those who may not have seen them, tell us a little bit about these movies.
1: Sure, Soul is about a music teacher who dies on the cusp of an exciting event and finds himself in the afterlife or rather the before life (laughs) dealing with some other souls and trying to get back to our reality i'm thinking of ending things is a kind of creepy suspenseful film about a boyfriend and girlfriend traveling to have dinner with his parents which has a lot of intercut Issues that are really hard to follow.
2: I'm thinking of ending things. Huh? What? Did you say something? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Weird. Yeah.
0: So tell us a little bit about the uh, the philosophical issues in, in this story. soul. What's going on in that?
1: Well, in soul, we have a version, perhaps a more sophisticated version, of a standard idea that the person you are, the self that you are, is really tied up in your psychology so that you can be departed from your body um, and retain your own self. So in the case of that film, the main character ends up in the body of a cat while a different soul ends up in his body.
2: Doc, you gotta help me. That's my
0: body, but I'm trapped. Oh no, they can't understand me. They think you're me. Okay. So that's an old philosophical thought experiment, right? The, the, the prince and the cobbler switch bodies or switch minds, whichever way you think about it. What's underneath that thought experiment?
1: So that original thought experiment where the, a prince and a cobbler switch their consciousnesses comes from John Locke the 17th century philosopher. And he was arguing that our self or what makes us the same person over time is constituted by our memory, our memory of ourselves in the past. And more recent philosophers have elaborated on that theory by arguing that the self is essentially psychological. It has to do with our thoughts and feelings and the way we think of ourselves from the first person. So that changing bodies is at least a logical possibility and you could still be the self in a different body.
2: And Stacey, uh, another kind of related issue in the film, so in this kind of pre-life, not the afterlife, but Mm. the pre-life, that our personalities are entirely formed is kind of another, it's almost a Platonist piece of the film in which we're not, we don't develop over time, we kind of are who we are
1: from the get-go. Wait a minute, What? this is where personalities come from? Of course, do you think people are just born with them? It's tricky because by the end we come to understand that the spark that makes people want to be a person, want to be on the earth, turns out not to be entirely determined. And I might add that even the body switching element is more complex than in some other films because the soul that inhabits Joe's body, um, the soul called 22 that ends up inhabiting Joe's body turns out to be able to access many of his memories and thoughts and ideas whereas we don't see joe himself who's a a cat adopting any (laughs) particularly cat-like personality (laughs) traits
2: well what's it gonna be kitty meow our other film i'm thinking of ending things uh is kind of a road trip movie a quest movie uh, and, and really a quest that goes pretty much absolutely nowhere I mean, where, where where, are we going in
1: that movie? Well, I think it's a difficult film to interpret. Um, but in my view, what we're faced with is really a trip into the mental life of the main character, Jake. The way the film is made misleads you because you start out feeling that you're getting an insight into the thoughts of the female character, who's called Lucy, at least to start, and then has various other names but it becomes clear that it's not at all clear whether she exists or whether she's a single person or a set of different memories in Jake's mind. She is sufficiently inconsistent. So she seems like one kind of person and then suddenly she's speaking in a totally different way.
2: Well, only by women liberationists who are willing to accept textbook spin-offs as art, juno Jenna Rollins, Mrs. Cassavetes is a prodigious actress and she never lets go of the character. I agree, I I thought she
1: was great in the role. Here she appears to be either parodying Pauline Kael's film reviews (laughs) um, (laughs) or perhaps other people whom Jake has dated. But to the extent that we identify and re-identify her as the same, despite all the massive changes, we are clearly relying on a bodily criterion of personal identity, the exact opposite of Locke's claim, because we're identifying as her has the same because she looks and sounds the same, even though her personality changes dramatically.
0: And the other thing we might add into that is the question of authenticity where it turns out her paintings aren't hers, her poems aren't hers, her story's taken from the, the musical Oklahoma. Uh, and my favorite part of this is when she, she quotes Oscar Wilde saying, um,
2: Most people are other people. Their thoughts are someone else's opinions, their lives a mimicry, their passions a quotation.
0: The line about nothing being original is itself not original. Not original. And so in all these ways, we might want to say, There's no self here. And yet, insuperably, we feel like there is. So for you, Stacey, that's because of the bodily criterion for identity.
1: Well, I think our impression that she's the same, right, is given just by the fact that it's the same or mostly the same actress playing the role. So the fact that she changes her clothes, of course, makes no difference. That wouldn't make any difference. (laughs) But the fact that she changes her personality and um, her memory and all of this We seem to go along with her still being the same person, but notice how easily we do the opposite in soul. We're happy Mm. to dispense with the physical (laughs) attributes. And I think this one thing that's really interesting about this for someone interested in the way the philosophical literature develops on these topics is that these look like two thought experiments that motivate us in totally different directions in thinking (laughs) about when we think of someone as the same person over time. And that maybe threatens the idea that we should rely on these thought experiments since we're so easily moved in either direction. I mean, thinking about philosophical thought experiments again, one of the key features of them is that they isolate the topic and they ask you to set aside everything else in order to focus on something. And this film does something very similar by setting it in this atmosphere where everything seems completely trapped. Right. What's moving is the snow. Most of the time, yeah. everything else seems stuck.
2: And that feeling of being stuck. I mean, I think there's probably a good hour of the film where I personally felt stuck. <laughs> and the movie is just, you know, this drive. They spend about an hour driving and they only make it to the ice cream store in town. It, it, you know, the movie is sp- supposed to gesture at something kind of
0: interminable. But I also think the movie was just a little too darn long. I, I agree about, uh, I'm thinking of anything, I think it should have been about half an hour shorter, but I also think the same thing about Soul. Uh, soul seems like it ends, and it seems like it ends so satisfyingly, at least for grown-ups. But
2: Joe, this means you won't get to- It's okay. I
0: already did. Now it's your turn. And then it goes on. We're in the business of inspiration, Joe. But it's not often we find ourselves inspired
2: oh really so we all decided to give you another chance
0: it's had such a great opportunity to be a really moving tragedy where a character exactly. makes a sacrifice and the sacrifice is meaningful and it's satisfying in that special way the tragedies are but it had to go for the hollywood ending
1: they snatch it away yes it's too much of a hollywood ending
0: so, Josh, we've talked about these two films, uh, Soul
2: and I'm Thinking of Ending Things, and we've agreed they're both um, wild explorations of personal identity, uh, but both of them maybe a little too long. <laughs>
0: yes, <laughs> I, I, you know, I have to say, I really like I'm Thinking of Ending Things, the Charlie Kaufman film. I, I think it's a fascinating exploration of identity, coming at it from so many different angles at once, but, gee it needed to be about half as long. (laughs) Hey, you know, less snow, less driving. So I'm not sure I could really in good conscience give the Dionysus to I'm thinking of ending things. So, the Dionysus Award
2: for the trippiest investigation of identity that should have ended
0: earlier, goes to Soul.
1: I can't say I disagree. Stacey, thank you
0: so much for joining us today.
1: It was a pleasure, thank you for having me.
0: Stacey Friend from the University of London, you're listening to Philosophy Talk. It's our eighth annual Dionysus Awards show, honoring the most philosophically compelling movies of the past year. Coming up, we'll consider
2: nominees for Best Film Painting a World Without Men and
0: Best Picture That Packs All of American History Into One Room. More Dionysus winners, along with nominations from you, our listeners, when Philosophy Talk continues.
2: You can listen to the rest of this program by purchasing it at iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.